0: If you wouldn't mind just turning, we're in Acts chapter 14 this morning as we're working through the book of Acts, just chapter by chapter, section by section. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to use one from the chair in front of you. If you don't own one, feel free to take that with you. We can use that as uh, better than lost and found. And so here's uh, the thing this morning while you're turning there, I wanted to just take a, a minute or two and share... Just for a moment, some uh, things that God's been stretching me on. Do you guys have that in your life or things that he's kind of growing you and molding you and shaping you? And one of the things uh, came from me uh, was last week or actually a week and a half ago, we were at this conference as a staff and uh, it was a real blessing uh, listening to these different uh, keynote speakers. And one of them you might be familiar with, his name's Andy Stanley. Uh, he was sharing, he shared a, a, something that kind of stuck in my mind, a question that he asked or observation. He says, the questions we ask reveal our values. I'd be like, well what what does that uh, mean? The, the, the idea is this. The, the questions that we find ourselves, repeating that we consistently use, tell us a little bit about what our priorities are. I'll give an example. If you think through, maybe if you have uh, kids, if you uh, talk with them, what are some consistent questions that you ask them? Maybe speak to some things that you elevate as a priority. I was thinking about that even for myself. I was thinking about my uh, three kids, what are some questions I ask them, usually at the end of a day, and this isn't uh, comedic or anything, but I, I, I end up asking my, my kids, I'm just like, okay, so did you finish your, okay, so that's a, that's a regular uh, question that's asked. For us, we've, uh, I know I'm a little nerdy with this, but we've, uh, we've had this little exercise thing that we've put in place for our lazy screen watching kids, and so we, I'll ask them, oh, sorry, did that come out loud? Um, <laughs> So I ask them, "Did you do your sit-ups and push-ups today?" You know, like I'll I'll ask that. You maybe don't have that question for your kids, but that's one in our routine. Or the question I'll most come is, "Did you have a good day?" You know, those are all valid questions. You think think about what the priorities that those elevate for a second. And one of those is you value a a good education, right? You want that to be a, a value. You value good health. You value that they're really enjoying and and, and thriving in life, a good day. And I I was thinking about that. I'm like, that sounds like more like shaping a good American than maybe a a Christ follower or someone that knows and follows the Lord. Are those really my values that I want to, if I have a limited window, and I'm just talking about kids right now, if I have a limited season with these kids, are those the things I really want to elevate. Now, I'm not saying like, oh, well, forget homework and forget like all that stuff. I'm saying, is that really the core of what is a priority to me? So there's one little set of what God's working on me in. The same time, do you guys have multiple things that he talks to you about and bugs you about? So, so at the same time I have that going on, I also have been kind of rattling in my brain this definition of God's glory. Maybe you remember this from a couple of uh, weeks back, the glory... God's glory means the fingerprint of God left showing that he was there. The fingerprint of God, when you look across the, all the happenings in your day and your experiences and you look back and you're just like, man, that was undeniably God's hand at work. Like you can't give anyone else credit for that other than almighty God, his fingerprints. We should have eyes to see them all around us if we're wanting to get to know him better. So it's kind of merging those two things. I was thinking about maybe a a better question, maybe a better question for me to ask my kids, maybe a better question for me to ask myself is where have I seen the fingerprints of God in my day? Where have I seen his undeniable presence. You can't give anybody else, anything else credit other than God's hand moving and working. And I would suggest that the more that our eyes are open to that, the better we know... like Isn't, a, isn't the goal of our life to, get, to bring Him glory? Isn't the goal of our, our life to get to know Him better? Isn't that life abundant to know Him personally? So my hope for my children, my hope for myself, my hope for us as a church is that we would have eyes to see the fingerprints of God all around us. We're surrounded with them. And in fact, think about it for a moment. Isn't this book... Isn't this an account, a collection of his greatest hits, his, his best fingerprints all over since the creation of mankind where you start reading through this, you start scrolling through it and you're like, oh, there's a fingerprint, there's a fingerprint, there's a, there's a fingerprint. Well, that's what I'd suggest this morning in our text in Acts 14 is just glaring with fingerprints of God. So we're going to go on a little adventure, a little Sherlock Holmes, looking for fingerprints this morning in this section of scripture. And the reason for that isn't just so you got to do an exercise together with a bunch of people. The reason for that is to help us grow in our ability to see God's fingerprints around us. Amen? Are you guys game for that? Let me pray before we dive in. God, thank you so much for this chance to be in your house and even to hit the pause button on some of the stuff we have going on, and maybe recenter ourselves on who's reigning and ruling over all of this. There's freedom in that. There's a weight that comes off. We're grateful for that, even this morning. We ask that you'd now speak to us through this text, that it wouldn't be for the person down the row for us, that you'd specifically have a word for us, that you'd grow us and stretch us with the joy of seeing you at work around us. I invite you to speak to us through this text. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, so chapter 14. Are you ready for this little adventure? And here's the thing. This is the fun part, where you can even identify some fingerprints that maybe the pastor missed. And you can maybe tell me about them later uh, because I'm sure I don't catch all of them. But we're gonna work our way through this uh, section and see some fingerprints of God. Verse one says this. Now at Iconium... They entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, But the unbelieving Jews stirred... I'm not going to do dings every time we see one. Uh, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands but the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. All right, so we'll stop there and give a little bit of a A tour, if you will, through that section. The first thing that will make sure that we understand is what's been going on. Remember last time we were in Acts, they were chased out of the city of Antioch by the religious and civil rulers of that area, pushing them out of the town. They shook the dust off their sandals and they moved on. They moved on about 85 miles to this first city which is called Iconium which falls in this region called Lyconia which is uh, this is in present-day Turkey just so you know this isn't Narnia like this is a real place in fact you can go to Iconium uh, still today and visit it's actually called Konya in present-day Turkey and so in this region of Lyconia you see that in the green Lyconia there's three big towns Iconium Lystra and Derby. And each of those towns is kind of an outline time having its own personality. The first one that they show up to, Iconium, are you tracking with me so far? The first one that they show up to has a Jewish presence. And you might wonder, well, they've come a long way from uh, Jerusalem. So what's the reason for that is during Roman rule, many Jews dispersed under the heavy Roman hand. And so in these towns, often if there was more than 10 uh, Jewish men, they could start their own synagogue. Are you tracking with this? So they start their own synagogue, a place usually often in a house or just a small gathering place where they would come together. And that's usually the first stop for Paul and Barnabas was to approach those synagogues with the good news of Jesus Christ. So they approached this synagogue, showing up at Iconium, and what does it say? A great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Pretty awesome there. When you're thinking of fingerprints, this would be the first one. Anytime somebody has the blinders of this earth come off, and they're brought from death to life by embracing the gospel message. It's a resurrection story, and that is a fingerprint of God. I would say for sure this would be a first clue that God is doing a work in that area. Any testimony, and that sometimes people are like, I have such a boring testimony. Like, I didn't do heroin. I didn't do it. And you're like, hey, every testimony is a resurrection story from death to life it's a big deal this is a resurrection story starts in this area and uh, pretty pretty intense but remember i told you what happens anytime the gospel be, is being preached throughout the story of acts what happens next opposition arises so here consistent with that the opposition came with jews unbelieving jews that were poisoning the minds of gentiles Think about that for a moment. Isn't that where the battle lies, right? In the mind. When the mind is poisoned, all of a sudden the mind is unable to, by, by faith, embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they're doing their best to poison minds and keep people from embracing Jesus Christ. But instead of Paul and Barnabas saying, man, this is like not a real great environment. Let's get out of here. It says it's just the opposite. It says that they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord. I would propose that those are two other things that I'd say would be fingerprints, and you see them there: perseverance and boldness. Why do I say perseverance? Because the truth is, normally in the flesh, when things get hard, what do we like to do? Leave. Man, I don't like hard stuff. Like I want to avoid hard stuff. I wanna have a good day. You know what I mean? And so so here, here's the important thing. They persevered, they stayed through that and boldly proclaimed Jesus Christ. I say boldness also because in our natural flesh, we're not bold. But when God's doing something radical in our lives, we can't help but talk about what Jesus Christ is doing in our life. We can't, boldness isn't obnoxiousness. It's just like, I can't help but talk about all that's happening that God's at work doing in my life. So it's two more fingerprints. It's interesting this uh, past week, uh, talking to uh, John Aite, who uh, Stephanie and John just got married, our office manager, and John was telling a story about his grandmother. Her name is Gloria, which is kind of a fun name. The name itself, here's a picture of her. Uh, Gloria, the name means to proclaim. The name means to proclaim. Well, they're from Ghana, and church services in Ghana take on a little different look than church services in old Agora, I would say. And so in their services, they have a little bit more freedom. They're not quite so looking at the clock every minute, one might say. In fact, their services are more like two to three hours. Well, after, in fact, we're going to try that today, so get comfortable. <laughs> no, but so, so here, here's the thing. So after, after they had communion on a Sunday, they had an opportunity, this is my understanding, for some people to share. Well, this 76-year-old, 76-year-old woman says, Pastor, do you mind? I've got something to share with people here this morning. Who's going to say no to that? In fact, if somebody in here was 76 and said, I've got something to share, I might even hand my mic. But here, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So she goes up for the next 40 minutes, 40 minutes. Can you imagine? Like sermon-length time. She tells the testimony of God's faithfulness in her life, all the way from first coming to know Him to like walking through. Here's where his f- fingerprints, if you will, fits well. Fingerprints, walking all the way through her life. At the end, to wrap it up, when she finally lands the plane after 40 minutes, she sees a group of young ladies, a group of young ladies sitting in the room, and she set, speaks directly to them. She goes, You know what, ladies? My time is done, my time is finished it's your turn to tell the story of God. It's your your turn to give the account of of his fingerprints throughout uh, your your life. It's your turn. And the ladies are just like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll do it. So then she finally finishes this true story, goes, sits back down in her seat. Five minutes later, she dies. True story. The ultimate mic drop of all time. Like, Think about that for a minute. At first, everybody's totally like blown away. This is like miserable. Like she passed away and I think it was like cardiac something. But, uh, but, but here, after that, as they reflect on it, they're like, that's the ultimate way to go. Are you kidding me? Like I just finished this sermon. In fact, don't pray that for me this morning. Like, <laughs> but, but can you imagine like, like she steps away and she's like, here's a history of God's faithfulness. Now it's your turn gone like that that was her story true story ask john about it next time you see him i didn't make that up so so here you're like "Well, well that's kind of a bummer scott but it's not if you start to see your life as pointing to the fingerprints of god so here back to our story if we can pull your minds back to that back back to back to our story as he's there they see in response to this a great number of people come and embrace jesus christ But some, and this is what always happens, it goes into two different camps. You see it there in the text, those who believe and those who don't believe. Isn't that 2,000 years later still how it works? You have the camp that say, yes, I've seen this, I embrace this, and they believe. And I I forgot to mention the other thing that you noticed in the text is after they're saying these things, God's testifying to the validity of it by doing signs and miracles. So the, the uh, the validity of what they're saying is affirmed by God doing the miraculous around them. So then these two camps... Form and in that you think about why does that always happen? Because isn't that how the gospel works? It pushes people, it makes them uncomfortable because they're forced to decide what am I gonna do? Am I gonna embrace this or reject this? And in people, the way it works is when someone is uncomfortable with something, what do they do? They want to get rid of what is making them uncomfortable. And so that's exactly what they do here. They start coming up with this plot, this plan. You know what? Why don't we do this? Why don't we stone them? That's what you guys do when someone bothers you, right? Makes you uncomfortable? No, not quite, but uh, maybe in your mind. But, uh, but here, here's the, the plan comes up, and God, again, his fingerprint, reveals this plan to them. We don't know exactly how they get wind of it, and so they get out of Dodge before that happens. I was thinking about that. I was like, when are they just being fearful? But in Matthew 10, 23, Jesus even told us, when they persecute you in one town, go to the next, go to the next. We're not meant to, to take abuse if we don't have to. He wants us to be wise as serpents, as innocent as doves. So here they move on. They head to the next town. Take a look, verse eight. Now in Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. And Paul Hermes, still the same Greek gods we have today, because he he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands and the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. they scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifices to them. All right, were you able to track with that? I know it was a lot of reading. So, so here, here, here's the thing. This is the, They've headed to the next town. It's called Lystra. In this town, the fact that they don't go to a synagogue tells you there's not a real Jewish presence there. In fact, they're just full-blown worshiping Greek gods, a very pagan culture they show up to, and God chooses to use them to confirm their message with, again, consistent in Acts, the miraculous. What happens? You come across a guy that's crippled. Literally, it's make sure that uh, Luke being a doctor, make sure you understand this guy, it's not a, putting on a show. This guy's been crippled from birth. He's been, he's been crippled from birth. He's never known what it's like to walk. If you've ever seen somebody that's crippled, what happens to their, their legs? It becomes muscles gone, just bones, just like there's, there's not a lot going on there. And in the instant, Paul sees, oh, this guy's got faith to believe. In the instant, Paul says, rise up, what happens? Now, may, may, may these stories never get old to us. This guy hops up, literally, in that instant, muscles rebuilt, calf muscles, like everything completely restored, and he's he didn't have to go to physical therapy, he didn't have to learn how to walk, you know, remember those walkers as a kid you had to walk, like, none of that, like instantly walking and in, like, what in the world? So the people there, much like if this happened today, were just like, what in the world? Who do who do we give credit for this unbelievable act? They're looking across the landscape and they're like, who was, oh, these guys that are here. Let's call them Zeus and Hermes. You know what I mean? Like, how crazy is that? So, so I had this picture and I made, this is maybe derailing, but I had this picture of like, <laughs> Kind of picturing uh, this is maybe Paul and Barnabas there uh, being celebrated as like uh, the rest of you haven't seen Star Wars it's a new movie that came out uh, but anyway so so I have this picture we can take that down but you get the idea they're being celebrated and that what happens how do they respond and I would suggest this is two fingerprints one the miraculous do you think the the healing thing do you think that counted as a fingerprint At the end of the day would that be a, a recount of a story something you'd share of the dinner table uh, but but here here. There, the second one, I would suggest is another fingerprint of God, is whenever there's a display of humility, it must be God at work in somebody's life. Because what do we in the flesh want to do? Somebody sings your praises, you're just like, oh, I guess I am kind of like Zeus. You know, like, a, like, are you kidding me? These guys could have embraced that, could have absorbed that. Anytime we deflect glory and redirect it to God, God, that tells us something's going the right way in our lives. That tells you God's fingerprint is moving. We're we're no longer trying to be the celebrity. We're we're no longer trying to be the main character in the story. We're we're, we're fine with a a side role, and that's okay. The same conference that we were at, a lady that was uh, sharing, she was telling a story, and she was kind of joking about how most Pastors have some kind of a plane story, interaction on a, a. Don't you hear that from pastors often? And she was telling, she's like, man, I have my own plane story. So she was telling the story about an interaction that she had on a flight. And uh, she was just shocked because the guy that she was sitting next to was like the ideal listener. He was totally engaged, wanted to hear, kept asking more questions of her. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about his forgiveness. By the end of the flight, pretty cool story. By the end of the flight, this guy. In that moment, prayed and embraced Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. It's pr- pretty awesome. She said, man, she's like, man, this is a pretty cool experience. She's going to get her, her baggage stuff. The guy comes up to her again and said, listen, you don't understand. You are my Savior today. She's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And she, she, he's like, well, let me tell you why. She, he, she, he goes to her, I was headed home. I already had the plan mapped out. I was taking my life at the end of the day. That, that, that was it. You, you, you saved my life. You, you saved me more than, than just physically. You saved me spiritually. And I, I love how she responded to that. She said in that moment where she could have been, yeah, yeah I did come along at the right time. But instead, she said, I'm just a beggar telling another beggar where they can find bread. I'm just a beggar telling another. And isn't that our peace in all of this? And we're, 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 There's nothing great about any of us. There's nothing great about me. There's nothing great about you. Independent of God's work in your life, independent of his presence. And so for us to deflect glory is what we're called to and appropriately redirected on God tells us, and that's God's fingerprint in your life, when you become that person that can genuinely say, man, God's, God's making me more and more humble. I'm not saying the, the guy that's like humility and how I attained it. I'm saying like a, a humility that's really takes into the core of who we are is a sign that God is working, his fingerprint is happening in their life. And he, they point, even in their response, I love the response to the guys. They're not, not just like, oh, you goofy guys worshiping Zeus. And, instead of that, it just says, oh, you, if you would just open your eyes, and this is what God does in lives too, open your eyes to see. The, what, there is a God, and I find it interesting. What did they praise them for? What did they praise them They, they said, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of, of men. Think about that. Isn't isn't that what every heart longs for? Is God to reach out to them? In our heart of hearts, we know we can't get there ourselves. We know we can't solve our sin issue. Instead, they're, oh, finally, the gods have come to us. And instead, they redirect them to make sure they understand who the one true living God is. The one that made all of this. And he starts pointing to fingerprints of God around them. This provision of rains and fruitful seasons. Satisf- satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. All the things that God does. He, they went on a little fingerprint explanation to these guys. It's pretty awesome even thinking about that, inter- that interaction. But you see how crowds are very fickle. Take a look at verse 19 and we'll wrap up. getting closer to wrapping up. But Jews came... ...from Antioch and Iconium, as the cities they had just come from, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. Ding, 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 and uh, some fingerprints there. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra... And Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Think about this for a second. So this crowd that in one moment has the C-3PO moment that's cheering them on, that's celebrating them, that's worshiping them as gods, all of a sudden, turns on a dime and are ready to stone them. Any other crowds we're familiar with in Scripture, we've seen this before. This is a little bit of a Jesus moment being reenacted here for Paul himself. Not quite sure how Barnabas snuck out of this, but he kind of, it's just Paul. Just Paul and a lot of stones. I was thinking about this and just what a miserable thing this must have been like for Paul. In fact, he recounts it later in Corinthians. And what a miserable experience this must have been like. My kids, uh, Sienna and Alexa, when they were real young. Here's a cute picture of them. They, they, uh, we were one time outside, and uh, my daughter, I, I actually, I mess up stories often. My wife tells me, but one of the two of them threw a stone, hit dad in the melon, and. and, and I mean, it felt like I got hit by a baseball bat and I'm looking around, where did that come from? Couldn't be these two cute little girls. (laughs) Like, just think about that for a second. One little stone thrown by a two-year-old is like knock you out kind of level. Imagine this for a second, a crowd full of angry people that are upset that you're not Zeus, and all of a sudden, they're taking stones. And Here's the explanation of how stoning worked. It wasn't like dodgeball, where you stand against a wall. What they'd do is they'd dig out a pit, and they'd literally drop stones on you. So it wasn't so you could be like, oh, oh watch it. You, couldn't, you couldn't, couldn't outrun these stones. This was literally stones dropped on you until they're convinced you're dead. Unbelievable. After that, in a form of disrespect, not a proper burial, they drag him out of the town just left there in the middle of the open air. Can you believe that? And here's the thing. The, the, the new believers are gathered around him to be like, what just happened here? Like, what, 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 just, what just went down? The, 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 these guys that came from previous towns turned the crowd on What happened here? In the middle of that, it's kind of interesting. Here's a little side note. Timothy... His later, deci- later partner in ministry is actually from this town. So it's kind of cool. So maybe he was one of the guys circling around to see him after he had just been stoned to death. And imagine this scene. Do you think there's a fingerprint here? All of a sudden, Paul's like, hops up, dusts himself off, heads back into town. Like, are you kidding me? Like, what in the world? And then it says the next day he travels to Derby. Derby was a 30-mile trip on foot. Can you imagine if you were stoned one day doing a 30-mile walk the next? Like, unbelievable. Like, unbelievable how God in his miraculous involvement, fingerprint, 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 fingerprint here, restores his health. And what, is, what happens when he goes to Derby? Oh, they just kept proclaiming Jesus Christ. And it says when he, when he showed up to, to Derby, it, it says that many more were saved. Many more were saved. We have an unstoppable God. If you chose to follow Jesus Christ with your life, get good news, guys, you picked the right team. You picked, right, you picked wisely. You're on the right team. This is an unstoppable God. And here's the crossroads that they came to here. And this would be easy to miss in this text. There was one route. Let's put that map back up. So their home base, their home base is down there in Antioch. Do you see that on the right in the green there? They just are in Derby. The shortest route would be head to the coast, catch a boat back to Antioch. Instead, what does it tell us that they did? They went back to all the towns. First, they headed back to the town where they just got stoned. Can you imagine the people there just like, wait a second, I'm pretty sure I just threw a rock at this guy. Like, Can you imagine they're walking back to this area? They're heading back. Instead of playing it safe, they go back to build into the disciples they had just introduced Jesus Christ to. How awesome is that? Talk about a fingerprint in somebody's life when they're all of a sudden not no longer concerned about their safety. They're like, you tried to stone me, but you can't kill me. Like how awesome is that? So they march right back. We don't see anything that describes any kind of harm that came their way. People are probably just like, man, I'm leaving them alone. I'm leaving them alone. And they walked back. It said that they strengthened souls. Who's able to strengthen souls? Do people strengthen souls? No, Almighty God strengthens souls. Fingerprint again. All of a sudden, they, they went back to these places. Established leadership for the church so it could flourish and continue. They went back and made sure that all of the people that had embraced Jesus Christ were well cared for. Then they headed home. And then it recounts, even on their way home, verse 24, and we'll end with this. Then they passed through Pisidia came to Pamphylia, and when they had spoken the word to Perga, basically they are just preaching Jesus wherever they They went down to Italia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them, and how he'd opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained at no little time, with the disciples. Let's pause and think about that just as we wrap up. I was thinking about this this picture of them. So they just traveled. It's estimated it was about 1,500 miles on foot. Took about two years on this adventure. Came back after completing what God had done, and what did they do? They came back to celebrate the fingerprints of God. To look at that and to recount—wouldn't you have loved to sat in on that that interaction? Just hearing story after story. Paul's like, "Check out this bruise. Look, well, my head's bent here," and like he's going. Someone sent me this picture after Easter. I thought it was funny. Pastors before Easter. Have you guys maybe seen this? Pastors after Easter. That—that's the picture I have of these guys. Like they're—they're they're getting back. they see. This is where my mind and media, and it's just a mess. But you—you uh, you, you get here the, the picture of after all these experiences, they come back to home base. They come back to home base, and man, what a sweet time. They can't say, probably Paul wouldn't say, I had a good day yesterday. No, you wouldn't say it was a good day, but man, God's fingerprints, I saw them everywhere. They they were undeniable in my life. What a beautiful day. Isn't that, if you're picturing this today, applying it? Isn't that a little bit of what God intended for the church to be? A place where we come back and share fingerprint stories? You're like, man, you wouldn't believe what happened in this meeting. You wouldn't believe what happened with my health. You wouldn't believe the sunset I saw. You wouldn't believe what God's doing in my child's life. You wouldn't believe what happened with my marriage that I thought was done. Wouldn't it be awesome if we were still today fingerprint storytellers? And think about that, even take it the next step further. What if... Okay, this is gonna rock your brain. What if you were the fingerprint story in somebody's life? What if, when somebody's recounting it, they say, "Man, you wouldn't believe Doug what he did when he brought me that Wetzel pretzel." Uh, sorry, Doug, uh, but you you wouldn't believe you wouldn't believe what he did in my life. You wouldn't believe how God used this divine moment with this person. You see, we can be because what what do we say? We are the hands and feet of Jesus, right? Like, what if you're the fingerprint? How awesome is that? Fingerprints is where it's at. I'm telling you, I think if we get this right, man, God's going to do some mighty things in and through us when our eyes are open to his fingerprints, when we start becoming his fingerprints, a beautiful thing within the body of Christ. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this chance to be in your word and this account of the early church, this account of your fingerprints where you're working and moving. Oh God, that you would give us eyes to see fingerprints around us, that we'd be storytellers of your fingerprints. We wouldn't just ask people if they have seen them, but we'd be ones that were anxious to share our own stories. I'm convinced though, God, as I look at this story, that those fingerprints often come out on the other side of boldness. We pray, God, that you do a work in us, God, that we would be risk takers, that we would be out there with eyes to see, to identify your hand at work around us, and that we join you in that. We praise you so much, God, that we get to be along for this adventure that you've called us to. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, my uh, college roommate is actually here this uh, weekend. It's kind of fun visiting, and we were talking about this with our... Uh, like how you interact with your kids about this. How do you bring up those questions like uh, about that? And I said, you know what? The best way is for maybe you to start by being a fingerprint storyteller yourself. When they see that, then they start to maybe catch on a little bit. You know, what if over lunch today, you instead of talking about uh, whatever, uh, what if you started saying like, hey, let's share a couple fingerprint stories in the last couple months. Where do we see God's hand at work? You guys willing to put this into practice our, in, our, in our week? God bless you. Have a great Sunday.